boy, budge. Take a second, judge everything, then respond and react appropriately. So it's like calmness then? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Cool. But, um, but Bugs Bunny, you'd say, is the cool one. You know, something blows up and he's standing there and he's, you know... Wildy Coyote? What's that? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I feel I'm not getting through. <laughs> what they do is they stop, they think, and they respond and react appropriately. It's been discovered that people who are lucky are actually just really observant, are good at responding with solutions. If somebody considers themselves lucky, it's actually a case of actually they've just observed the situation, they've analysed the situation, and then they've come up with a good solution to that situation. Whereas people who regard themselves as unlucky just go, oh, I can't figure this out, and they're not very observant of what, as to what's happened. So why are religious people more resilient than non-religious? Would you rather be a lighthouse or a palm tree? Most people think lighthouse, but resilience tells us otherwise. Many of us actually misunderstand resilience. So today, Budge answers these resilient questions and explains what is it and how can we build more. We hope you love the episode and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or whatever you're listening. Welcome to Budge, How to Fudge Being Human, the podcast that helps you be better at being human. Think of a time when uh, you figured you weren't going to get through something, when you figured you weren't going to make it, but something pulled you through. You managed to actually achieve whatever it was you were struggling with and you kept going no matter what. Uh, we're talking today about resilience, and as always, I am here with my good mate uh, and co-host, Dr. Darren Coppin, behavioural scientist. How are you, sir? I'm lovely. You yes. Are, you are lovely. I like your shirt. Uh, yeah, I'd like to point out the, uh, the middle-aged man's uniform of Ralph Lauren polo shirt. They seem cut very nicely to, uh, to make one look slimmer than one actually is. <laughs> one step worse than... Tommy Hilfinger, to be honest, mate. I've actually gone for the um, uh, the, 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 the trying-to-be-cool middle-aged man by going the retro Rocky Bel- Balboa. Rocky Balboa, Apollo Creed fight. You're thinking of Bilboa. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, whatever. We're, we're not pulling it off, mate. Um, <laughs> but are you wearing that subliminally because we're going to talk about resilience today? Possibly, possibly. Because you asked me, you, you actually asked me to try and think of a scenario uh, of what represents resilience to me. And what's quite scary is that I, I thought of two. The first one was uh, the one that you wrote on the notes, which was a bit like, um, how do you know that? Which is the whole erect lighthouse uh, situation. That's how I knew you'd bring it up. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, but the other one was, I, I sort of thought about the, the boxing sort of situation, de tonne, de tonne, what the wilder against fury, where fury was... <laughs> Fury was knocked out. Again. Fury, Fury was knocked out. I just don't know his name. By Mr. Wilder's wife. By Mr. Wilder's. Tane Wilder. But Tyson Fury got knocked out and he sort of, you thought it was all over and he just got back up. Which, which again, you know, there's a thousand boxing stories like that. And I was trying to remember which Rocky movie it was in. I think it was all of them because I think they're the same movie, which they're now calling Creed. Um, where he's out and about, you know, he's got... I don't know, Dolph Lundgren or Mr. T pretending to be someone else or somebody. And and and, and then Apollo Creed, one of them, or, or the guy that played the penguin, is well, somebody's shouting at him or he's doing something. <laughs> what, the 1970s penguin? Was that the man? Yeah, Burgess Meredith, the guy that played the penguin. His trainer? Was his trainer. No! Yeah. Did you not know that? I did not know it. I wonder why he was a bit familiar. Yeah, well, he didn't have an umbrella. Finally, you've he, imparted some knowledge yeah, of use. It was because it you just used to see him with an umbrella. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, so someone's shouting. He's, he's shouting at him from the side. Yeah, he and good nose job, didn't he? He kicks the bucket, and but it's always somebody there that pulls him through, and he always makes it no matter what. So I guess that's what I thought about. That's thought interesting. Really. What you say as well is always someone there that helps pull him through. Mm. 
Um, okay, I'll touch on that later. That's okay. a really good point. Okay. So do any of those represent No, resilience? crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, and I thought you might say the lighthouse one because a lot of people, in fact, if you go on Google Images and do a, a, an image search, when I've done it before, the things that represent uh, resilience are often little flowers pushing through cracks of concrete. Okay. Which is a nice, represents yeah, yeah, yeah. you, I think. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Pushing through cracks is mostly you, and um, but also lighthouses. They're, they're, they're standing strong in the face of massive adversity of of incessant waves crashing on them. Um, but it's actually an erroneous concept of resilience, I think, uh, from what I'm reading on the subject, mm. um, because the a more accurate one is really the um, if, if you think of the Boxing Day tsunami images. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, if you, if you think of images or stills in the aftermath of the Boxing Day oh, 2004 tsunami? It was just tsunami. awful, wasn't it? It was horrendous. You know, it literally, um, just everything wiped out. You know, everything's gone. You yeah, know, well, but was buildings. it everything? If you think in your mind's eyes, everything gone on that beach. There's flotsam and jetsam. Flotsam floats. Jetsam has been jettisoned, so it's been deliberately thrown away. That's the difference between the two. Oh, really? I, didn't, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, and the bloke was actually penguin in the early Batman things. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you think of those images of those beaches yeah. and the wiped out flattened steel reinforced resorts, um, is there anything that stands up? It would be the palm trees, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's it, spot on. The palm trees are the best representation imagery I can think of uh, that represents um, resilience. Mm. And do you know why the palm trees were still standing because their root systems aren't that. Great. Uh, that's that's I was actually going to go there first, so, so I assume they had a, a deeper, better root system yeah, than everything else. Assume that, and they do have a decent root system, but it's no, no more than um, many other species of tree. So yeah. the, the key thing with them is that they're bendy, yep. they're flexible, and, and that is the core of resilience. It's the flexibility. Um, it's the being able to bend in the face of um, adversity and change. And, and then they can spring back up again afterwards. They can bounce back, uh, which is... So, so what you're saying is resilience isn't necessarily the ability to withstand something. Hmm. It's the ability to, to to sort of go with it, adapt to it as it's occurring. Yeah, psychological and flexibility, really. And yep. you, you, you come back, you can be in the same place, but you've gone with it, you've bent, and, and um, you haven't necessarily resisted. Yep. Uh, you've pushed back a bit, but you've, you, you've... It's that flexibility, and it's fantastic. And that is one of the core core parts of, of, of resilience, really. And, and, and resilience, I guess, definition, um, I think you looked up the definition, didn't you, and, and uncovered the academic definition that I've written down for you in front uh, of you. Let, so let me have a look, really cool. and I'll scan through your notes. <laughs> <laughs> Building mental toughness and reducing stress. Bloody hell, Paul. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, it's the ability to withstand, grow and thrive in the face of challenges. Now think about this one though, the ability to bounce back from adversity. Um, now, so that kind of describes a bit what I was just, we were just discussing in terms of palm trees, yep. but, but sometimes I've chatted with somebody who's a, an academic and written books on resilience, a lovely lady in New Zealand, and she's said, actually, my adversity was my kid dying. Oh, dear. I didn't want to bounce back from that. 
it's like, oh, I'm better now. You know, it's great. It's that you don't always have to go back to where you were beforehand. Yeah. So um, there's another thing that happened. I, I, I can't imagine that'd be something you'd ever recover from. No, really. exactly. And necessarily ever want to yeah. recover from uh, because it doesn't seem appropriate. So look, this bouncing back from adversity, but there's one thing that's been added uh, recently, and that's, um, or relatively recently, is to bounce forward when there's opportunity mm-hmm. is part of resilience. Um, because a lot of people, when they've been knocked back, I feel like that we should have that song on in the background with that astronomer. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Well, what's that your astronomer? rocky one? Yeah, that guy, that astronomer we saw last night when we were looking at podcasts. Oh, um, he was the, in that the, group, Chumbawamba. Uh, the, the English guy that shares his name with someone else. The, um, Most people do as a parent or something. <laughs> There's a famous actor, isn't there? They both have the same name. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're talking about people we can't remember the name. Literally, but we're literally. discussing. I might, I might um, add infinitum. Ask our producer to Google famous astronomers. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, mate, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Chumbawamba is irrelevant. Yeah. So the Brian, Fo- Brian, Brian Cox. Cox. How could you yeah. forget his surname? He's <laughs> you all over, and yet. Anyway, but there's also a famous actor called Brian Cox. They were both. Oh god, they, yeah. Yeah, they both appear together on. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, something or another. I know some other blokes' TV show I can't remember. This is probably it's probably not something we well should done, talk producer. about. Producer, thanks, producer. You, you got up a good picture of um, Brian. Brian. Right. Brian's. Anyway, so <laughs> I bring it back. <laughs> so it's bouncing forward when there's opportunity. Often, when you've been knocked back or faced adversity, you don't even see opportunity when it's there. Mm. Um, I've had this with job seekers where. Um, you know, they've, they've gone to chat to their mate, they're unemployed, and their mate's going, oh, God, you know, I'm at the warehouse, and we're overwhelmed at the moment. I just can't find people I can trust to work with me. And, and you're sitting there with this unemployed guy, and uh, our, his mate walks off all frustrated. And you say, he was basically offering you a job, asking you to put your hand, oh, do you think he was? No, like that. And you, when you've been single, you know, you don't <laughs> know when people are throwing themselves at you. You didn't even notice um, oh, it's awful. It's a terrible trait. <laughs> but that is another element, perhaps the third element of, of, of resilience in, in terms of a definition. It's to bounce mm. forward when there's opportunity that's there as I well. I noticed the one that matters because you will watch this, you know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she will. I thought you said you will. <laughs> Just unrequited love is, is killing me, mate. It's the only reason I do this podcast. Right. Think as well of movie stars that you think of as resilient. Um, so I've got to go palmy on you here. Um, although although my mind also then went to Alma Fudd for some reason. Because no matter how many times he 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 doesn't get anywhere. You're serious about Alma Fudd? Yeah, because no, he does. I have because no matter how many times Alma Fudd doesn't achieve anything, he always bounces back. He never gives up. Is that that's not resilience though, is it? He never actually gives up trying to shoot Bugs Bunny. It's interesting because you've got to know to keep going, to keep going, to keep yeah. going is resilient. But you've got to know like that flexibility when you're flogging a dead horse, when you've hit a brick wall. Yeah, which when it's probably I'm madness. Amafud probably doesn't. Yeah. So I, I, being prime, I've got to go James Bond. Yeah, um, and and just Beautiful. you know, uh, Bruce Willis comes to mind as well. I guess with current news events, his poor health. You know, the, the Die Hard movies. Is that mm. would that would that be resilient though? Yeah, like, and Van Diesel, Shrek. <laughs> she threw Shrek um, Clint Eastwood and there's one thing they always do when the world's blowing up around them and it's sort of needing a hero and, and what have you you know everyone's panicking and screaming yeah. um, what, what, what is it I'm trying to think so, so this is probably some awful tagline or something or something they say <laughs> yes. yeah, don't get sharp in my eye <laughs> um, no um, they squint 
Yeah. They, they squint, they take a moment, they ah, breathe right. in, right. take a second, judge everything, then respond and react appropriately. So it's that like calmness then? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Cool. It's a great definition. Yeah. You'd describe all those characters you said, and with Fudd in particular. Yeah, he's so cool. <laughs> As cool. Um, yeah, I think he's gone beyond resilience, Elmer. Mm. But, um, but Bugs Bunny, you'd say, is the cool one. You know, something blows up and he's standing there and he's, you know... Wildy Coyote? What's that? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I feel I'm not getting through. <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, flogging a dead horse here, so I'll be flexible yes. and just move on. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you're so resilient. <laughs> yeah. But they're great. What they do is they stop, they think, and they respond and react appropriately. And, and out of um, the seven pillars of resilience, which is my, my favorite book on resilience, called The Resilience Factor. Why, why, why is that your favorite book? Because it's just got clarity. It's got seven elements of resilience that you can think. So when I'm teaching resilience, if anyone's got a question, thinking of these seven elements always yep. enables me to answer it. So you said, but well, why are they resilient? Um, those movie characters, you know, they stop, they think they're almost mindful for a moment. They're cool, but they do two things, two of these seven pillars, and they, they don't knee-jerk react. So yep. They've got control of their impulses. Yep. And they're also emotionally regulated. They, they, they don't um, let their emotions run away with them, become excessively angry, excessively yep. sad. And that's what coolness is. Um, so it's, it's interesting thinking of cool movie characters has given you two of the ingredients to be to be resilient. Yes, yeah, so it's keeping calm and, and sort of maintaining composure. Yes, 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 and, and evaluating, I suppose, the situation. Yeah, and as opposed to you running, screaming from. Well, yeah, I suppose you're probably surrounded by snakes. It's lovely farm on. So, um, so there's seven, mate. You've just covered two. Surely that means, based on my maths, there's another five. Yeah, because um, I remember talking about this before with you, and you said, well, can you teach resilience? Mm. Are you just naturally a resilient person or not? Mm. And you think... I, but you, sorry, yeah. you, you, there must be some people that are more naturally resilient than others, though, right? Because you do always get that that one person in some scenario that's like, oh, the world's going to end and all that sort of thing, mm. you know? Yes. Um, I guess people more naturally, one thing or another, everyone's on the spectrum of everything. But, yeah. But you can teach it um, and you can learn it and you can respond differently to how you used to. And mm. It's like faking it till you make it, you know, learn how to force yourself to take a second before responding and then respond appropriately. So, um, yeah, and one of the other key things is can you teach it is, is instilling this core of resilience is a sense of self-efficacy or agency. Or control, I guess, is that mm. I am in control of my own future and I can take it, change it for the better. Um, so I know people have just kind of given up because they think, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, that's different from, you know, banging your head against a brick wall okay. and trying over and over the, doing the same thing again. You need to be flexible. And that's what people really need to be. That the core to that flexibility is this self-efficacy. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I can change my future for the better. Yeah. But then there's causal analysis. Okay, um, which so makes me think of you. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> and this is being able to think uh, or interpret the real reasons for things that go well for you or go badly. So if you won the lottery, yeah. would you think, oh, me. Oh, I'm so brilliant at the yeah, lottery. My skills. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be luck, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. But also, have you had people say, 
oh, I didn't get that job interview I went for. And you go, why? And they go, oh, uh, I think I was overqualified. They were threatened by me. I was too good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's a classic one, isn't it? Overqualified. When in reality, you stuffed up the interview. Well, you, 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 they just didn't want you. Yeah, your case, B.O. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I didn't get me the job. Overqualified. And everyone's going, Jesus Christ. You know, get real with yourself. You stink. <laughs> I don't know, come back to that. experience. Thanks, thanks, Darren. <laughs> That's causal analysis. So right, okay. some of these words, impulse control, regulation, and causal analysis, it sounds like psychobabble, because it is yep. for psychologists uh, like me or repeating great books to, mm. to try and sound intelligent, self-efficacy. But actually, when you explain it, it's like, God, yeah, I see it in people every day. I, I read some fascinating research of the day, sorry, just about luck and taking accountability. This is slightly off topic. But, but they, they discovered, um, and I'll have to put the in the comments uh, the book that this was from, it's been discovered that people who are lucky are actually just really observant, are good at responding with solutions. So the people that, you know, say if, if, if somebody considers themselves lucky, it's actually a case of actually they've just observed the situation, they've analysed the situation, and then they've come up with a good solution to that situation. Whereas people who regard themselves as unlucky just go, oh, I can't figure this out, and they're not very observant of what, as to what's happened. Yeah. Um, fast, sorry, absolutely. Well, it's not a tangent. It's spot on, really. You know, that's a bit of causal um, mm. analysis. You know, you're able to analyse what's going so there's on. There's a level of self-awareness in that, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also um, something called hindsight bias, where when you win a race, it's because you're so clever, you know, betting on a, yeah. a horse race. Oh, you know, I Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. But it's not, it's just bloody luck yeah. most of the time. Or when something happens, you look back and think, oh, that was all down to me, where it, it wasn't. You know, it's just your hindsight that mm. makes you think you're so clever. And then there's something else, people, something um, you said earlier, and this is, I love, love this one. It's like that Rocky had people around him mm. um, to help him and inspire him to get back up again. Batman villains. <laughs> <laughs> the Riddler tickling him in the bo- <laughs> in a boxing match. Anyway, um, and uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what movie that was, mate. That's one of your special ones. fantasy. Um, so, the um, reaching out is one of the seven pillars of resilience. Now, this is interesting. You think being resilient is being strong on your own, being self, you know, self-efficacy is all yeah. about yourself. But actually, it turns out, and, and from we've seen this in some of the studies and people we've worked with. Um, only those that are already pretty mentally tough and resilient yeah. and up for it and got self-efficacy, a sense of agency, ask for help. Oh, really? Those that need so it's help actually a, the it's most. A, so it's a strength thing to ask for help. Yes, yeah, yeah, massively. Those that need help the most tend to feel insecure about it, um, embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. It's not good in um, a social group, a situation where we've lived for most of our history as a, as a species, as a human, in a tribe, to say, oh, I'm, I'm a bit weak here, I'm a bit crap at this, uh, I, I need help yeah. right now. Um, whereas most people would have built up some sort of um, sense of agency through being really good at something and contributing to their community. And if they're crap at one particular thing or feel knocked down by something, they can ask for help because they've, they've got that sense of agency, but a um, sense of value yeah. and self-awareness. But so, yeah, only those that don't need it so much ask for help. Those that need it the most don't. Mm. Um, generally so that's when you've got to look out for the quiet people in your life because um, they need help and they won't ask for it oh really okay yeah okay so that's so, so um, that's uh, reaching out self-efficacy impulse or pulse control emotional regulation 
causal as opposed to casual analysis. Um, empathy and realistic optimism? Yeah, most people think, oh, being resilient and, yes, we can do this, we're going to do this, this is brilliant, and that, but that's blind optimism some of the time. Right, okay. You know, you don't want your pilot being blindly optimistic. And we're going, not going to crash. Yeah, it'll be all right, I won't, yeah. I'll check it next time, that yeah. sort of thing. You want realistic optimism. So a little bit of pessimism thrown in there is actually good because you okay. have to think about things first and then empathy it means that you can it's a bit like that being empathetic to yourself that causal analysis of being really able to work out what's going on is is actually being um wondering what's going on in someone else's head um and taking your mind out of yourself and being insular and actually considering what else is, is going on with other people empathy is an ingredient to being resilient hmm. so it's interesting so i'd say out of those seven you've got one and a half maybe, maybe yeah or ha- <laughs> ha- we'll say there's half of three of them Oh, yeah. watch out! We're using microphones, Darren, these days. That's like something by your head. Um, uh, so, but I tell you, there's been some surveys on resilience, yeah. and one of them has a question. I'll read this question out to you and see how you react to it and oh, re- respond to it. One of the questions is: screaming and running out of the room. Spirituality <laughs> or belief in God plays an important role in my life, and if you score highly on that you're scoring highly on being a resilient person. So how does that question make you feel? That's really strange. I, I Straight away I come up with, the that, that almost is counterintuitive to me because I, I would say that people who who are, who are more spiritual, you know, there's there's all that research that they're happier and, and all the rest of it, but a lot of the research is that they don't necessarily seek um, solutions to their own problems because prayer is a way of avoiding seeking your own solutions. So I'm actually surprised that... Um, Oh, bless you. Um, That's correct. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is. Many, many studies say if you believe in something bigger than yourself, whether it's the universe or Allah or God or whomever, um, you are more resilient. You can cope mm. with bad things that happen to you because you've got people to turn to or it's uh, part of God's greater will. Yeah. Now, I feel like that's a cop-out. There's yeah. a whole other podcast there. And I, think actually, we, I think we are going to do one, aren't we, on, on, on religion, why people need religion. Uh, later down the track but uh, anyway keep going sir yeah and and um or if, if something good happens to you you don't get full of yourself and think it was all me you know it's part yeah. of god's greater thing but it turns out that's not the core to why people that are religious is, is it's because they tend to congregate you have congregations you have, uh, have people go to temple uh, so or, it gives you it gives you a community it, so if something bad happens to you what what happens if you're in and people in the congregation hear about it is it that they would provide support and, and yeah. assistance? If you're in some at a mosque, people, afterwards people come yeah. and chat to you and put yeah. their hand around you. And which, is so, a good, which is a good thing. Yeah, but it turns out that's not it. That's not why you're, you're more resilient. You're leading me down lots of paths here, aren't <laughs> No, you, because right? these are the paths me. that I've researched and yeah. you assume why I'm leading you down. <laughs> but it turns out that being the person that's supporting the other one is what makes you resilient. Being the supporter, not the supportee. Oh, really? So helping out others makes you feel in control, stronger, happier. And and, it, and studies show, I, I think one study said, suggested that the fastest way of, of improving your well-being and being happy is to volunteer. So I was to literally about to ask you about nothing. voluntary work, whether or not the same applies to people who yeah. are involved in voluntary work. Yeah. So you're able to cope and you've got, it builds that self-efficacy, resilience, well-being, self-efficacy, you're intertwined. Mm. And if you've built that, 
then you can cope and and you can build that through helping helping out yeah. others doing nice things. Like the voluntary then work um, can lead to so much benefits in terms of well-being as a human. Yes. Yeah. But if you make people do voluntary work, like in the Work for the Dole program for unemployed people yes. in Australia, yeah. that will get pushback yeah, absolutely. and resistance. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> make people do voluntary work. Man, I love the fact that in your notes you, you take us on a bit of a tangent because I, I didn't know this um, around resilience. The keep calm and carry on, of course, became a meme and, and a poster in a thousand sort of kitchen nets across Australia, the UK, and elsewhere. Yeah, I saw it in America. Ago. Yeah, loads of places. Yeah, where keep, keep, keep calm and follow Liverpool, keep calm and whatever it might be. There's one for everything, isn't there? And uh, they've, they've kind of disappeared now. But um, uh, you were, the, the, that was one of three phrases in the war that was designed to help the British build resilience yes and it is resilience it's that keep calm so it's mm. the thing we were talking about with the um, with the movie stars you know bond calms mm. yeah, so, um, but and carry on just keep going one foot in front of the other and, and 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 britain at the start of the war or before the war even started was thinking are we going to have to knuckle down and this is a marathon going to be a marathon not a sprint but it turns out keep calm carry on wasn't actually used publicly it wasn't actually oh, marketed. Really? So there were three phrases developed by the University of London. Um, and and so before you go this way, what, what was funny for me is I read this, and I haven't read what the other two are, but um, I, I, my brain was, there's lots of these phrases that came out from the Second World War that we now use about loose lips shink ships. All those sort of things are actually... <laughs> is that what the phrase is? I thought it was loose lips. Yeah, let's, let's stop with that <laughs> and, phrase. And you did a, a James Bond impression there, shink ships. <laughs> But yours, but you found these three phases developed by the British. Yeah, the University of London. It was actually yeah. developed them. They had a, a thing there to try and instill um, for the. It was where the Ministry of Information was located. Yeah. Um, so that's why it was um, relevant to them. But the the other two was the really punchy one of them. So keep <laughs> calm and carry on. What was the that other one? Your what is it? Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. Ah, oh, there we go. Straight out of Soviet Russia, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> Freedom is in peril. Defend it with all your might. I mean, they don't roll off the tongue, do they? But I get the notion. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting, though. You wouldn't think you'd have the government in World War Two saying, be cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be dying. But your resolution, that's a lovely word. It's an old word for yeah. resilience, basically. Um, and your courage, you know, it's... It, I don't know. It's interesting um, that, that they were used, but it's interesting to keep calm and carry on was never used. But I think we've covered the seven pillars there, haven't we? I think so. So, so what's the takeaways for this? So, so people that are um, struggling with resilience or looking to build resilience, how do you build resilience? Yeah, well, one of the things is you can. Um, yeah. one of it's, that's a key question, isn't it? You, you know this? Yes, yeah, and you can measure. There are different measures of, of resilience. I think the most common one is the brief resilience scale. Mm. You can teach people different methods. So go and volunteer or show gratitude. Send someone a text, say thanks yeah. for doing that, that you wouldn't normally send it to. And they go, oh, that's embarrassing. But then people come back and say, bloody hell, doing something that's fluffy mm. as being grateful to someone, literally buying them a bunch of flowers or something or saying, oh, do you know what? You really cheer me up whenever I fill up with petrol every day and I yeah. pay, pay you money in a petrol station. That gives you a sense of control and efficacy, which is the core to building out those other things. Yeah, because, you know, I've read the Resilience Project, which is predominantly about gratefulness, isn't it? Which, which um, so, so gratefulness actually builds resilience. Yeah, gratitude, one of those 10 positive emotions. Yeah. So, so yeah, you can build it. 
Um, it's about bouncing back from adversity. But core thing, if you remember one thing from this podcast, is like be like a palm tree. And I've seen you in discos, <laughs> nightclubs rather, because this is the uh, 2020s. And, um, and, um, and you dance in a willowy. Anyway, it's really odd. But uh, be like that. Be like the palm tree. Be like the palm tree. Be flexible. But don't be hard on yourself. Sometimes you need a bit of time to regroup. Thank you, as always, Dr. Darren Coppin. If you've enjoyed this conversation about resilience, uh, you'll love all the other ones that we have coming up. We've got some amazing speakers coming up. We have a podcast on meaning and purpose, um, for example, and a whole range of other things that we will hope will help you be better at being human. If you like what we're saying, please connect with us on our Facebook group or connect with us on TikTok. But the best thing you can do right now is go listen to the last episode we have on YouTube, subscribe, and make sure next Tuesday, 7 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, uh, that you're listening out for our next episode. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Lava. <laughs> Thanks. Oi, budge!